Hey, everybody. It's Christine Marie Mason, your host for the Rose Woman podcast on love and liberation. As we come to an end of 2023, I want to thank you all for your attention. I know your time is really valuable. We had a 22% increase in listenership this year, and we had listeners in 80 countries, although 89% of you are in the United States. It's really nice to see people from as far away as Sri Lanka listening. I've gone back through the last 120 plus episodes and taken down a handful, taken down about 15 episodes that I thought were no longer sort of at the quality that we want to be at with the show. And I've also looked at what the top episodes for 2023 were. I look at a couple of things when I look at the number of absolute downloads, and then I look at how an episode grows over time, like is it getting referred out to others to listen to. And the top episode on both of those counts this year was Outgrowing Religion and Living as Embodied Love with Jim Palmer. You know, Jim's taking a really unique stance in this era where you have the confusion of Christ consciousness or spiritual principles um, that were transmitted through the original teachings of Jesus with sort of a Christo-fascist nationalism that also really harms people's individual well-being. And he's written a lot of books um, after being an evangelical pastor on megachurches, on having come to the realization that that theology doesn't really solve the major problems people have in how they live and actually create separatism and suffering. And that conversation was great, as evidenced by the fact that people who listen to it send it on to others at a rate that outpaces about 93% of the other episodes. Three of the top five were solo episodes that I did, one on Kundalini Tantra, which was number two, one on Predictable Narcissism, The Loving Game, and Reweaving the Web, which was number three, and then Intimacy for Earthlings, which is my take on eco-spirituality, which was number five of the year. The number four topic was one I really loved with meditation teacher Lauren Roche called Meeting Life's Impossible Challenges and his methodology of instinctive meditation. He drops a few wisdom bombs in there, which are relevant to today's episode, one on non-attachment and not having desires as being sort of culturally instigated at a time when a lot of children were being given over to monasteries to become monks because of famine, and that that idea that don't have any desires and just sit still actually was a behavioral need, like was driven out of that need, and it's kind of a misteaching on what it means to live in a human body. Other episodes that got referred out widely from this year were the five hidden love questions with Dr. Victor Frank. It got a little bit of a slow start and then a lot of referrals. Living with a Wide Open Heart, Friendship in Midlife with Tessa Crone, and Telling Stories That Matter, Enchantments for Inspired Change with Maria Sipka, and this episode I did with Rachel Neuer called I Feel Love, MDMA's New Chapter. So those were clearly beyond the initial hit, things that people really felt were worth sharing more widely. So if you're interested in digging back in the archives, have a look at those and let me know what you think. I'm also interested in really upping the game on the show in 2024. And you'll see that toward the end of the year, 
I had many more male-bodied people on the show, and I want to talk a little bit about that because I'm still aiming for a good balance. But there's a strange phenomenon that happens when I invite guests. If I invite a male guest to be on the show, everyone says yes. If I invite a female guest to be on the show, I have um, quite a bit more strategic difficulty. I would say like one in every two people, every two women that I invite is a no. And if I invite a woman of color, that is an even higher ratio of decline. So I'm trying hard to give the platform space to people of all gender, racial, and religious profiles. And sometimes it works. So I'm asking the question on what is making it less than friendly to those people to say yes? And is there something in the way that we're positioning that makes women question whether they want to be associated with that brand at a rate that's higher than men? So I'm in that inquiry. So again, thank you very much for being supportive of the topics we're interested in. How do we live more freely and openly in these bodies, more connected to the light and to one another and to the earth? So today I am going to do a solo episode very short on letting go, attachment, fear, and its relationship to our true desire, our true co-creative reality. There are many confusions around this message of attachment and non-attachment. One is that there is confusion between attachment and connection. Another is there is confusion around attachment and desire. Another is confusion around attachment and grief. So I want to speak briefly to those things. The first is attachment and connection. Many people I see think of attachment as like numbing out. They're pulled away. They don't care about the outcome, which can often lead to a way of being in the world that is isolated and closed to others. Almost like you're waiting for whatever the enjoyable thing or the present joy to disappear and therefore in protection of the disappearance, one doesn't get attached. But that's not actually non-attachment. That's an attachment to fear. If you are joyfully connected, you be joyfully connected in that moment, fully present, embodied, joyfully connected. And then when that connection goes away, you allow it to dissipate and you allow it to move on. So it's not that you're not feeling or loving the experience of being alive. You're just okay with what the flowing, the fließen, the flüssig, the river-like change that is inevitable. And similarly, and I talk a little bit more about this, like desire and preferences and our evolving mm, you know, things that we really, really like, like those can become a prison of preferences. They can increasingly fence you in the older you get or the more experienced you get to where your world becomes increasingly small and routinized. Stop looking at like what possibilities are out there and you just accept what's right in front of you where you're running a pattern, just running a repeating pattern day to day instead of inviting in what what is truly like bubbling up underneath that wants to be born till you're like living out your days in rote. Ugh. I mean, I have a, a high degree of openness and exploration in general, but, you know, there is a sense that sleepwalking is kind of part of the human condition and that often in spiritual practice you'll you'll see people who are 
just going through the same routine, the same japamala, the same prayer, the same sadhana, day to day to day, and yet the conditions of their life don't seem to really shift very much. It doesn't seem to be working in terms of creating better relationships or a more abundance or a better world. So the idea of desiring uh, can be confused with you know, being somehow mm, non-equanimous spiritually. But you can have deep desire and use that as a pointer to creation while being very still and alive, unflickering, unwavering on the inside. And now let's talk a little bit about attachment and suffering. Attachment is a sense of if I lose this thing, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be very unhappy. I'm going to cling until to the last possible moment, which in and of itself is suffering, versus like, this is my true desire, and I'm pointing toward it. And if I get it, awesome. And if I don't get it, that's okay, too. I'm going to put a lot of attention, focus and energy into getting it. And if it doesn't manifest, I'll roll with that. I went to a really beautiful retreat, and we spent a whole bunch of days singing and meditating. But Many of the leaders were still trapped in the story of suffering, in this idea that, oh, life is so suffering, you're always fighting the suffering. And I'm like, "Mm, not really. And if you stop there and you don't go into like, life is actually primarily pretty amazing. And if it's not amazing, you can continually make decisions and choices that point you in the direction of where you really, really want to be. So I was looking at this idea of the thousand deaths, the thousands thousands of tiny deaths and releases that we go through in lives in a body. Like you release people, you release dreams, you release ideals of where you want to be. It's like a daily process of micro grieving, letting things pass through you and then moving on. Love relationships, children growing older, accidents, deaths, natural disasters, And then I can point my whole system and reorient my system toward what wants to be born next. I can't do that. I can't move my energy into what wants to be born next if I'm very attached to the way it is now. Even if the way it is now is okay, if the way it is now is less than satisfying and I'm grasping onto it or really doing like, I'm going to fix it, I'm going to improve it, it's going to polish this thing up as much as I can. All of the energy that's going into repair and fixing and dialing something in isn't going into creating the exact outcome that you want. So the opportunity cost of not letting go of things that have completed, of cycles that have completed, is tremendous. So I really want to encourage everyone to sit with what needs to be released, what has really just been too much effort too much muscling to get through, uh, too much story of suffering, of disappointing others, of doing things out of obligation. And what is it that is like your true joy and your, your true desire speaking to you? Where do you light up? Where do your eyes get misey? What good can you imagine? I've been really fortunate recently to have some deep conversations with a teacher named Patrick Connor. And we spent some time looking at tribal identity and loyalty to the tribe and how in our 
loyalty to the tribe, we make all kinds of deals to avoid punishment, to avoid being wrong, to ensure our place in the tribe, our belonging, that if we do things that make others happy or we fit in with their roles and ideas, that we're safer somehow. But his major message for me was align with the light, and that is your ultimate protection. Align with the light, align with the most uplifting and inspiring things that you can be engaged in on earth, and all else will follow. And don't worry, people won't be disappointed in you if you're aligning with the light. If they're disappointed because they're attached to the way things are or to who you are, then that's not really your concern. You just love them through it. Unconditional love is the most potent force in the universe, and it has no agenda. Unconditional love has no agenda. You can't fight it because pushing against it would be like pushing against an open door. So we let go of what's not working, and we do it with grace, and we trust that if I release this job, the one that is in alignment with what I'm supposed to be doing on earth is coming If I release this relationship, that the one that life is preparing me for is coming. And if I release my attachment to this stage of life and embrace what's right here and right now, I might be in a better position than the sort of resistance and irritation that I carry when I cling to what was. A place that gets kind of difficult is when you had a certain idea of how your life would go and who you were. Say you're a really successful researcher or a really successful artist or a physician, and you you put all of your time and energy into doing that, and somehow you capped out, and your interest just isn't there anymore. And now your interest is turning to things that you just never imagined that you would be spending your time doing. And because your interest is going there, you're no longer able to peak in your core career, but you're fighting it inside somehow. And it's the fighting the change that creates the dissonance and the suffering. I'd like to speak to when you can't stop grieving. If you have unprocessed grief from earlier in your life, where you had a loss and you just swallowed it and stuffed it down to your body, couldn't feel it, then, then it creates this sort of freeze layer And any new grieving will hit that unprocessed grief. So the trick for feeling things and letting them pass through you, I talk about in some of the prior episodes on trauma. One is the old stuff that's accumulated in your body. You can clear that out through therapy, through attunement practices, through psychedelics. And then you also work on developing the skills to really fully feel what's coming at you. So if a new wave of grief hits you, you can like breathe it in and like really cry and really feel it. And maybe you have someone now in your life who can be there with you in the grief. And then you let it go through your body and you don't push it away. You don't try to stiff up or lip it. And you also don't wallow. You just let it be what it is. And then in the next moment, if the creek is running in a beautiful winter rush of water and the redwoods are smelling amazing, then you take a big inhale and you're like, oh my God, that's so beautiful. Grief when you're grieving and beauty when there's beauty, deliciousness when there's deliciousness, attraction when there's attraction, and you stay current with your feeling. Grieving and attachment are different. So if someone passes or you lose a relationship, how do you stay 
oh, I'm really sad about losing that relationship and I really feel it. And here are some of the beautiful things and the good memories that I have. Being both in appreciation for what was good and in the reality that it's over. Not designing your life around loyalty to the story of loss. So desire is a pointer to what wants to be created through you. What you visualize or envision in your mind and your desire to push toward that outcome, to see it manifest, that is actually a participation in creation. It isn't something that is to be pathologized. The pathology part is if you're going toward the desire and you're hitting frustration points and you're kicking yourself. And that's where the idea of witness consciousness and attachment and desire sort of collide. So you can have desire as long as you're able to pull back in your mind's eye and watch the desire and not identify with it. Like you're not going to disappear as a person if you don't get what you want or if you don't show up in the way that you think you should show up. Your core, beautiful, potent essence of light is still the same. And it's the ability to witness and pull back from both your suffering and your joy and just be like, wow, look at there's Christine experiencing joy or there's Christine really wanting to create and love both of those stages and not be attached to whether or not they manifest. Just joyfully go after the desire. You will have a million things to let go of in your lifetime. Each moment is a micro letting go. And each moment is also being fully present with what's showing up and listening to that still voice, that little voice that says, here's, here's your joy. Here's what's pulling you. Notice where your eyes are lighting up and go there. It would be very easy for me to sit here at my age and stage of life and say, I'm never going to find a relationship like this again. I'm never going to have a home like this again. I could become so caught up in my little micro preferences that I just contract and hold on to them super tightly and, and stop growing. There are infinite ways to live in this world. What's that saying? There are 10,000 ways to bow down and kiss the ground. Foundationally, those ways of thinking are fear-driven. They are distrust in my own capacity and a distrust in life. And they also seem to ignore the reality that there is an attractive power when you're vibrating at the frequency of possibility and love and openness that draws more of that to you. So if you'd like to take a moment with me and do a little meditation, I'm going to close with that. It's about six minutes. If you're driving, you might want to do this later. But if you're not driving and you've got the spaciousness to sit and to let your sitting bones really ground into the seat and use those to propel your crown high and lift the spine vertebra by vertebra and create more space between each vertebra and bring your shoulders up to your ears and then squeeze them down your back and expand the clavicle, pull your navel in and then reach that crown even higher to the sky so that your spine is nice and long and tall. And then begin this inhale, the deep inhale through both nostrils up to the third eye point, fill the sinus cavities, fill the whole of the head. And then on the exhale, let everything go. And do that a couple of more times, inhale. 
And then I want you to inhale completely, completely and hold the air at the top. And then release it silently. Please imagine at the crown of your head a cone of light where the tip of the cone is dropping straight into fontanelle that's soft in a baby. And there's this cone of light that's dropping down and flooding your whole head and dropping down into your spine and sending light all the way down your spine. And as that light moves down behind the eyes, behind the throat, behind the heart, behind the organs of the belly, behind your sex, and down all the way, all the way into your feet and out to your arms, the light permeates and fills you. And now as you inhale, with each inhale, take in more light. And with each exhale, imagine that light pulsing out and filling any dark places in the body all the way out to the edge of the skin. On the inhale, you feel that light coming into the body. You fill the body. You push it out to the edges of the skin. You fill it and fill it and fill it and fill it. And on the exhale, you give that light right back out. You continue to do this pulsation, and the light extends even further away from the skin envelope and out an inch from the body. Maybe you imagine it going out even further, two inches, six inches, a foot, until there's a big egg membrane all the way around you of light. You're bathed in this light body. Connect your heart to that light at the crown. Connect your sex to the heart, to the light at the crown. Connect your feet to your sex, to your heart, to the light at the crown. Connect your fingertips to your heart, to the light at the crown. Your very breath, your very heartbeat, the genius intelligence behind every cell, working together in harmony to give a vessel to your consciousness to experience life in a body a sensual and sensory life that is potent and perfect that is you one power you are the power of the light, the self-same power that is running through all things. And in this place, you can ask yourself the questions for today. 
What is ready to be released? What am I letting go of? What is my soul's desire? And you can affirm I am ready for that. I am going. Experience one more time the fullness of the light body. And then as you end the meditation, you can keep that sense of being fully illuminated with you. Open your eyes if you've closed them. And just notice how a couple of minutes of breathing and visualizing put you in a state of true power. They remind you who you really are. A participatory agent in this magical, connected field with ultimate potential and possibility. So as we bring this episode to a close, I want to thank you again for joining me this year and wish you a clear path ahead, clear seeing, and above all, that you are an agent of unconditional love, both in giving it to others and seeing them as magical representations of the field, not having an agenda, and receiving that beautiful gaze from others who also imagine and want for you your highest and best good. So if you need a little help in your letting go and releasing and surrendering, you can get a lot of musical help. Michael Gott wrote this song called I Release and I Let Go, which has been covered by the Agape Choir and covered by Kirtan Soul Revival and a bunch of other people. I release and I let go, I let the spirit run my life, you know, that kind. There is Alexa Sunshine Rose, um, I release, I release control and surrender to the flow of love that surrounds me. You know, you can find a whole bunch of them. I will put a few in the show notes. And just know, man, like, ultimate possibility. It's yours. You can do it. You are a incredible manifester, living on the frequency of abundance, and we can do it together. Okay, you know where to find me. The dot rose dot woman on Instagram and rosewoman.com where you can find amazing products including the new beautiful smelling vegan candles that I made for the winter of 2324. All love.